0: Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Santo, joined, as always, by the John Patrick Mason to my one Sanchez via Robos Ramirez. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing?
1: <laughs> Dude, nicely done.
2: <laughs> I'm doing good.
0: Yes, and our very own Forester. That's right. It's Eric Ronebeck.
2: Eric, i you the, doing? I'm the man now, dog.
0: Yes, you I'm, are.
1: I'm glad you said that, because I was thinking we were going to have to wonder which way you were looking. Yeah, Wrong Forester. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this not, uh this
2: not funny, Kevin.
0: <laughs> interesting week for Seahawks football because while the Seahawks didn't convincingly win uh by the scoreboard, they, they convincingly won for three quarters. So. They they convincingly um made us not stressed. I mean, this game was the least stressful Seahawks game I can remember in quite some time. I felt so much less stress than the normal normally and during during this uh, seahawks games i feel now of course when nick bellore did come out and tear us apart for two drives i really thought oh boy um i guess i couldn't get away with with having literally no stress but that did turned out to be uh wait did you nick say bellore. nick
1: bellore or nick mullen because nick mullen i feel like yeah. nick bellore t- tore apart our pass blocking for one play but nick that's, nick that's mullen came in towards how uh,
2: deep how it out. kills nathan is that Nathan. Nick, had I had Nick, Nick Ballore on my mind
0: because I was I wrote down a, a note about Nick Ballore got Tanks the on the brain. Started because he because <laughs> tanks he, he was, he was for saying, nothing. Um okay, so let's talk let's just start with the I think the elephant in the room. The fourth quarter, uh Nick Mullins comes in. He tears us apart while we play prevent defense. Okay. What what's the what's the let's talk about the prevent defense. Okay, Seahawks go into deep defense. quarters. The Seahawks go into deep quarters, which is the literal worst defense you can run in the history of time. I think I've made my my hate of quarters really well known. But, Kevin, can you just explain a little bit why maybe – for for the listener, why I hate quarters so much? I'll see if you. I want you to do it for me, so I don't have to be on my soapbox for so long.
1: Okay, so Nathan and I have gone over this many <laughs> times. Uh, our deep hatred of quarters. Um, to put it very simply, it turns every offense into the Saints offense because quarter says, like you, you know how you've been really frustrated, especially, Seahawks fan, especially, deep quarters. Fan, especially, especially deep, deep quarters, especially deep quarters. I'm going to talk directly to the Seahawks fan, like this is a presidential debate. This is me turning towards you. It's very festive for the season. You, Seahawks fan, you notice how Trey Flowers is playing socially distanced, let's say, from the receiver? Do you notice how you could build a small house or perhaps a duplex between where Trey Flowers is and where the receiver is and have maybe a small yard where you could put a hammock? Well, that is deep quarters defense. It is where the four defensive backs playing the deep receiver are basically trying to prevent a go route on every play and assuming everyone runs like Tyreek Hill. So they back way off. And the goal is to let you catch the ball and then run for 12 yards and get tackled. Right. Now just no so you go. 12 yards is a first down. So, And if you do 12 yards, less than 10 times, you can make the entire distance of a football field.
0: It's crazy. Like Trey Flowers got a a 72 pro football focus rating in this game while giving up five receptions on seven targets for 34 yards because he just got a lot of credit for just keeping the play in front of him, which is what he was asked to do. Now, it's annoying to watch. It's very frustrating brand of football, but they were up by a lot and the game was never really in doubt. So while I understand the frustration, it would be really satisfying to watch us put our foot on someone's throat and put them away. This defense does bleed the clock. It does make it really hard for the other team to come back because they can't. You need to score really fast if you want to win uh, from when you're, when you're down by a lot. And so this forces them to just play dink and dunk and, and take time off the clock and bleed. And, while and if sucks, you can tackle
1: them in bounds, especially...
0: Yeah. Well, it sucks from a, from a optics perspective and it made the game maybe a little more stressful for some people. Uh, it, the game was never really in doubt the the Seahawks defense, especially Bobby Wagner looked pretty good in this game. Not, not, you know, like we're not talking twenty to thirteen to 2016 level, you know, we're not talking peak Seahawks defense, but the defense looked super solid. Um, looked like a, uh, an average NFL defense. And I don't think that there's m- much more we can ask for the, you know, 75% strength version of the defense that we threw out there last week. It was a peak the- Bobby Wagner game, game though. Oh, boy. Yes. Bobby yes. Wagner was incredible. And we'll... we'll not to bother m- watching let's that. Go, let's go into detail about <laughs> Bob, Bobby Wagner. Bobby Wagner blitzed 20 times in this game. A lot of blitzing for Bobby Wagner. And I think what they decided was, you know what? Um, we're not going to... Sit, have our best pass rusher just sit back and and chase around uh George Kittle or chase around uh you know tight ends and running backs all game somebody let's, named dwelly let's let our weapon be a weapon and boy what a weapon he was six pressures two sacks two hits two hurries five run stops a classic Bobby Wagner game including one of the most incredible plays I think of uh, we've seen all season <laughs> I mean he just Knifes in, runs two guys over, and then finishes the sack. Just an incredible uh, play. I think that these are the kind of uh, star performances we need from Bobby Wagner if this defense is going to play average. And uh, it was nice to kind of see him to, to see him do that. Um,
1: yeah, I will say. Um, Bobby Wagner only had twenty pass rush snaps in this game, but he had at least another thousand in Jimmy Garoppolo's head while he was trying to sleep. Yeah. Like he he was absolutely all over Jimmy G, and
0: you could tell. Like if you say Bobby, he'll just flinch. Quentin Dunbar um is good at football. Yeah. That's it. That's the tweet. Send tweet. Quentin Dunbar good at football. It will be when we're at full strength. and we have Dunbar, and then if Griffin can turn the corner, I really do feel like this is a, a really solid defense. DJ Reed played perfectly serviceable football in instead of Amadi. Uh, <clears throat> did give up six catches for 105 yards, but had the interception. Had a really critical pass breakup. I thought looked the part of a rotational player. You know, we needed we kind of needed an Akeem King this year. With the way the oh, injuries call. are going, and yeah. DJ Reed, I feel like is the Akeem King we are missing. Can play yeah. some slot, can play some outside corner, maybe even play some safety in a pinch. Really, uh, all around player who can make some plays. I am excited about DJ Reed in a Seahawks uniform. Kind of that Ryan Neal experience where you didn't
1: really know what to expect, but you kind of hoped he was solid, and he came in and the bad is bad, but the good's really good, and. You know, when you're t- when you're looking at a backup, a depth piece, a guy who can make some splash plays is a really nice thing to have. I think Ahmadi is a much more stable presence, but with Reed out there, you know, he might kill you, but he might kill them. Yeah,
0: and I think one thing is Reed's Reed's going to take a couple, you know, starts to get back in the flow of things. If he ends up having to play two or three weeks, we might see better football from him down yeah. down the line too. That might it might be just the beginning. Um KJ turned in another really solid performance. Does this man hate a screen pass more than anyone else on earth? <laughs> they ran outside screen on KJ, and I'm pretty sure he committed a murder again. It's. Yeah,
1: it, I, I was about to say. I think his mom might have been like beaten up by an outside screen once, or like you know when he was a kid and outside screen stole his lunch
0: money. Dude hates outside screens. Yeah, the, the, the Trent Taylor throw six yards behind the line of scrimmage. The Jim Michael Hasty threw two yards. I mean. George Kittle, when, when KJ was covering me, dropped it. I think he was scared. He did not want to get one of those classic KJ, just smackdowns KJ has really impressed me this season, a Renaissance season for KJ. And I, I really do feel like this defense, when Adams comes back, I think we're going to start to see him turn the corner and we, and and Dunlap we asked, to that's not, I was going to say, that's not the only reinforcement. Now there was a question we got on Twitter. Who do you think is going to be bigger impact snacks or Dunlap? And, um, these are two very different players. So, Eric, I'm going to go to you first. Do you think that the new defensive end from Cincinnati coming in will have the bigger impact or the, the big run stuffing nose tackle, uh, Damon Harrison? Will uh, be,
2: will be the... Let's let's look at both players. Damon Harrison, otherwise known as Snacks. Uh, Snacks Harrison is a run stuffer. Uh, he's not quite the, as I like to say, the washing machine on the line, but he is a, a very mobile, hefty uh, gentleman in, in the middle of the line. Uh, he is the run-stuffer. He can get to the quarterback at times. I'd probably top him out at maybe two sacks this year. Um, but he's going to be a, a pivotal addition to this team that is a great depth move that will allow us to rotate players in and out in a, uh, in a more versatile fashion. Having said that, who is going to be more, uh, more important to what you want to see the Seahawks achieve? The person I'm excited for more is Dunlap. This guy is an edge rusher. This is a defensive end. He's okay at shutting down the run, but really we want him to cause pressures, get to the quarterback. And this is the guy, granted, I really wanted to see other additions and maybe even one more addition that we're not going to see. Let's just be honest. But Dunlap is serviceable. Uh, he's a guy who's hungry for uh, a being on a winning team. He's hungry for winning. Uh, being on the Bengals, it will starve you. And uh, this is this, this is a move I'm really excited for. It's not really what I was expecting, but once I heard that Dunlap was available, it was like, so we in this guy or what? And we came through. Kevin, same question. What do you think, man? Snacks or Dunlap?
1: Okay, so I think that Dunlap is going to be more impactful, but the combination is going to have a really interesting cascading effect. Yeah. So what's going to happen is we have a... Uh, Demontre Moore is going out with a suspension for the league substance abuse policy. So we have Rasheem Green coming back in. I think what this is going to allow to happen is Dunlap lets Reed slide inside to play the three-tech role where he's a much more effective pass rusher, especially who can be singled up. I think that Snacks comes in and can be paired with either Puna or Reed and allow them in that role to to be more of a pass rusher. And so then we have a Snacks, Rush, um, and uh, Monet trio kind of playing that nose. And it just kind of lets everyone settle into their right position. Yeah. So if you're going to ask me who's going to put up bigger numbers and be more effective in that way, I think Dunlap's probably going to lead the team in sacks by the end of the year. I think he'll have somewhere between like six and eight and that's probably going to be enough considering the injuries and um, what's been going on, or if not, he'll be, like, second. But I think the combination of the two allows defensive line to do what it's meant to
0: do. Yeah, so the, um, the thing for me, Jaron Reed, you're right. Jaron Reed played 30. This is the stat I've looked up. He played 30 of his 53 snaps last game at defensive end. He played 28 of 72 in Week 7 at defensive end. He played, you know, twenty nine of sixty six at defensive end in week five. Every week he's had he's been forced to play moderately out of position for a significant number of stats, and I think it's really hurt Jaron Reed's performance. I mean, Jaron Reed has had, um, you know, he's had some bad stats this year, right? His stats. It's don't twelve pressures good on, on that, so.
1: almost three hundred pass rushes. I think yeah, it's, it's pretty that's pretty. It's not good.
0: No. And I, but he's being played out of position where on the edge, you need speed and Jaron Reed is just not fast enough to justify that kind of play. And it's been, it's been a struggle for him out there. I really think putting him inside, getting him back in his natural position, allowing him to play with snacks and then use Puna Ford to rotate both of those guys, less little less Brian Monet. And then you can use Ballard to kind of uh, back up all four positions and pick up those last little bit of rotational snaps. Alton Robinson looked really good in this last game. Forty nine yeah. snaps, twenty seven mm-hmm. pass rushes. Got to the passer three times, including a sack. Um, this is a this is a defense that seems to be coming together. And Pete has said all year we're going to need patience with this defense. And um, I was like, I'm very impatient, so I didn't like that. <laughs> but I mean, it's it, he's right. This defense has been hurt. It hasn't had a lot of time to play together. We've not had everyone available, and it seems like it's trending in the correct direction now, where everyone's soon going to be available and we're going to get to see what this defense is really made of. If Adams plays next week and we get and we get our two new guys Dunlap and, and Snacks, this could be a defense that really is on the rise. We already have risen up to 21st in defensive DVOA up from the uh, the basement and I could see us getting into the, the top half of the league and being a league average defense, which I'm I'm not going to say that that's good. You know, it's not great to have a league average defense, but when you have potentially the number one or number two offense, depending on how you feel about Kansas city in the entire football league, you can afford to have the 15th best defense and it's just fine. Right. So, so that's where I'm at. I'm like, I'm okay with, with us being, you know, a middle of the pack defense as the way the offense is performing. That's and that. I think that these players are going to help us get there. Yeah. What well, we're Kansas city where new Orleans, you know, right. for most of the last few years, Right. It's a, so Sometimes you go. Sometimes you're going to be an offense first. Not many. There's not many teams in the league that can be top ten in both offense and defense. We talked about this before the season in our bold prediction show. You know, I asked, "Do you think the Seahawks can be both top ten in both offense and defense?" And it, it was like, "Hmm, it, that's tough." You know, right now there are two teams in the top, or three teams, sorry, in the top ten for both in DVOA, and both all those teams, I would predict only one of them will be there at the end of the season. It's just a hard thing to do for a full season right and so i think that seattle can get seattle can get their defense right up to league average uh i'm okay with that as long as the offense keeps just crushing let's get to the any other defensive thoughts before we get to the offense
2: uh no i just like you said i think it is trending in the upwards direction really if we're healthy as we approach the end of the season that's really what you want to see we're not quite there yet but as long as we can stay healthy or get healthy it's man very promising And I think that, like, with the the added depth, too, we'll see the team start to turn the
0: screw a little bit late in games. I don't think that we'll see as much soft coverage, especially if the game's within two scores like that. I think that goes away when when the full retinue of players is there. On some level, like you just they're doing damage control in the secondary because of how many injuries we have right mm-hmm. and it's yeah. and it, it's like, it's like uh it's and it's just they're dam- they're controlling how much damage that we can take and then trying to create turnovers to make up for it and right now it's it's working you know they got the interception in the last game that it's working a little bit uh, to to turn the screw like or to turn the knobs like that and i'm hoping that with the full retinue of players that Russ are that i'm sorry Pete and Ken Norton Jr who i'm not a huge fan of. Don't get me wrong. Can turn the knobs in the right direction for for a uh, for a, for an actually good or decent defense. All right, let's go to offense. Um, do we? Is there anyone else to talk about? Just do we? Just is this where we talk about how much we love DK Metcalf? <laughs> I mean, I definitely <laughs> it, like to keep some it? love on the offensive line and on Russ, but I mean, we is should this, definitely open with DK. Is this a DK Metcalf fan podcast now? Should we change the name to the DK Nest or something? DK Metcalf, holy smokes! Uh, Twelve receptions, fifteen targets, 161 yards, two touchdowns, eight first downs. The uh, just a one hell of a performance from DK Metcalf. I, there's not enough good things you can say about the way this guy's playing, and he's only 22 years old. Uh, I don't. I don't even know where else to go from there. Like it's insane. The even just the progress from year one to year two in terms of consistency. And I'm mean, still dropping some balls, but uh, I not in uh, not in this game. And maybe that is something that he's uh, growing into. You know, he's finally putting that stuff behind him an Un- insane performance from DK Metcalf. Um, I'm going to ask you a question. Uh, DK Metcalf, Eric is, is DK Metcalf the most talented wide receiver that has ever put on a uh, is okay. Steve Largent, obviously, Okay, we're yep. we're talking Steve Largent number 1. Is DK Netcalf, like right the next guy? I think is he so. Ar- is he already like putting pressure on some of the uh the, the other top Seahawks wide receivers who've ever put on the uniform, Doug Baldwin, uh J- we've got uh, what? Joey Galloway. Galloway. Like the, is he, is he is he on the path to to be putting pressure on uh, on those guys to be the second greatest of all time?
2: I think absolutely. Uh I'm glad you you stopped and said Steve Largent only because Steve Largent was this guy if you watch like the football life, Steve Largent should not have been in the NFL. He, he just like shoehorned his way in on a team, got traded to Seattle and then became like this legend. Uh, this is a guy that uh, Jerry Rice looked up to um, the before football gloves were a thing. Steve Largent was there. Having said all that praise for Steve Largent, DK Metcalf is quickly rapidly eclipsing anyone else as the number two all time receiver. Now he's still got to put up the stats. Tyler Lockett is up there. Doug Baldwin, Seahawk legend, guy we love. Joey Galloway, I wish uh you know we could have seen him with a great quarterback pairing and uh not mad at Mike Holmgren. But uh DK Metcalf, this if you look at his stats and what he's doing, there is a very real chance that he's going to be first team all-pro this year. Not a Pro Bowler, first team all-pro. This is a thing. In his
0: second season in the in NFL. In his
2: second season in the NFL. So when that happens or when that looks to be a likely possibility, I'm not I don't think that's a stretch at all, guys. Uh, Yeah, this is give me two more years after this. Give me four full DK years and then we can start to hopefully have the conversation. Is he going to be better than Largent? And, uh, that could be, I think,
0: I think that's an, the conversation right now is, is he on track to put himself in that conversation? And it certainly seems like there are very few wide receivers who through two years have done what DK Metcalf has. The names are the names of the guys that have done the same are names like Moss, Rice, Johnson. You know, these are names that are all time legends in this league. That's the, that's the list of names DK is putting himself onto right now.
2: Well, don't forget like Doug Baldwin was a slow starter. Uh, Tyler Lockett has been a nice surprise, and he's really great. Joey Galloway started with a holdout in the NFL, uh, not really, n- not really living up to the Seahawk dreams we had for him, uh, unless you played Tecmo Bowl three. So DK just coming in and owning it right away—it's huge.
1: I think another thing to remember is like even last year. Last year we had games where we're going, okay, well Lockett got shut down and DK just wasn't enough to really take the game over. And I think he took that personally because now this year if either Lockett's having a game like, you know, against Arizona even Mm -hmm. in a loss or DK's having a game like last week or they're both having a game like the Dallas game and those are the three states of the Seattle offense. Because at the end of the day, you can't double-team both of them.
2: Well, and,
1: the, and it's making more a bigger threat than he ever would be normally because at the end of the day, Moore is still a functioning third receiver. And amazing. so if you do try and shift coverage to basically try and double-team both DK and Lockett, then Russ can just pick you apart with the tight ends or with Moore.
0: DK DK Metcalf six foot four, I mean I don't want to just talk about the that stuff like this, but he ran a four three three, he's two hundred and thirty pounds. This is not like a, a small this is man Jones like crazy athletic. This is there's a level of athleticism here that is, um, you know, it, when you look at his mock draftables, it's, it makes it, it it's like a circle, right? Except for the one thing, the three cone being in there. And I just want to thank all three of those cones. <laughs> because those those cones are the reason that we have a DK Metcalf right now. DK Metcalf right now. Without those cones, he would be on another team. He would have got picked in the top 15. The athletic profile is too insane. And and I also want to thank Ole Miss' offensive coordinator, who made two wide receivers as good as uh, oh, A.J. Brown, Brown. and yeah. DK Metcalf look not that good and dropped them both down the draft. I mean, A.J. Brown still got picked in the first round, but they, these he made these guys look worse. Than they really were because that offense was horrible and their quarterback was not good. And so it's a it's a gift. And um I it I'm we should enjoy it as long as we can. You know, we're gonna have four years of DK, uh minimum, and um then he's gonna get a lot of money <laughs> and we'll see how us, that and we'll like Right that I was just, I said, we'll see how that shakes out. You never know With those big wide receiver contracts, they can get pretty crazy. But he will be worth it. he will be worth every penny no matter how, uh, what. That is, yeah. a, that is a fact. You know? He is a premier NFL talent. He's He is, a, and, and he's so young. I cannot stress that enough. 22 years old, uh, doing all quick, of this stuff.
2: Real quick, Kevin said, uh, you, you know, we're, we're switching between who's having a good game. And in the uh, Arizona game, it was all Lockett and DK. You know, it's probably what DK's maybe worst game is a Seahawk. That is not going to happen the next time they play. I'm just going to leave that out there. Mark my words. Well, I mean, they're, they they
0: they they got a, They decided they were just like going to try to take away DK and just let Lockett kill them. I mean, that was basically their choice. They were they were like, okay, fine. We'll just let Lockett get two hundred yards. Who cares? That's not a good strategy for for winning a football game. They got lucky. I mean, to yeah. be honest, to be honest yeah. with you, they they were very they were very fortunate to win that game. And uh, a lot of little things went Arizona's way in that game. And you know, we're one. And also another thing. DK stats look bad in that game. We're one David Moore holding call away from that stat line looking a lot better. <laughs> I'm just gonna say that, that. I mean, that screen pass that DK took in that game and ripped off. That that is a that's a that's a DK Metcalf right there. That is what we that is what we, we that's why we love that guy.
1: Yeah, no and one would say and,
0: crap about it not being a good game if that had gone through. Throw more. And then I got we got this. Someone on Twitter, Josh Joshua sent this to me on Twitter. He said, throw more uh, flare screens, tunnel screens to DK, and I'm all in on that. Throw more screens to DK. He let him just run people over. Um, seven so that one
1: touchdown that he, the, what was it? I think that was our first touchdown scored. Um, and then Otto Myers missed a extra
2: point which is just i don't i
0: don't don't believe that that's some people told me that and i was like that's that didn't happen it was all the wind
2: in that browns game do you think that maybe
0: do you think that maybe he just did that to lull them into a false sense of security that was my theory during the game but i came with
2: a
1: different theory since oh i like it (laughs) Uh, i think what actually happened was um blair walsh snuck onto the field in a jason Myers jersey and it Mm. took a while because covid so they have to wear the masks and stuff and then like when he kicked it, they're like, wait a minute, that's not Jason Myers. And then they handled it in the locker room. But you can't let that, sl- you can't let do, that you think they, do you out.
2: think they
0: do you think they beat up do you think they beat up Blair Walsh too? Like, you know, in the, like, Well, oh, I'm, ju- I'm just saying, of, have you seen Blair of, Walsh since the game? Kind of like uh kind of like in like a, a movie like the uh what's the one with the the cooler, uh <laughs> Roadhouse? <laughs> like Roadhouse just throwing him out throwing him out of the bar? No, I think
1: it's more like uh the end of uh Casino out in the cornfield. Hey guys,
2: uh, child abuse. What about no? What about can't have child abuse? What about no ticket?
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Anyway, just the Seahawks. Let's just let's keep going with the receiving game, okay? David Moore continues to be just a really solid uh, third option at wide receiver for this offense. The tight ends got involved again. uh, Six targets between them, but only two catches. I'm okay with that. Over three. I just really want them to be involved in the game, and I think it's it's fine where they're working their ways in. I'd love to see Parkinson; he's really tall. Uh, let's see him get a couple looks in the coming games. Speaking of tight ends, we we didn't mention it, but St- Stephen Sullivan got in on a sack in the on the defensive side of the yeah, football. Yeah, and, uh, just really had a. I like I like stories like that where a guy is willing to do whatever it takes to get on the football field, and uh, you know he's really he's really doing that. So okay, let's talk offensive line.
1: Offensive line had another really good game. Dwayne Brown is extremely good at football. And he's been extremely good at football the entire time he's been here. But right now, he's both extremely good at football and healthy. Yeah.
0: And Brandon, it shows. Brandon Shell has been really solid on the right side of the line. Um he just is like a he it's it's just nice to finally have like a guy at right tackle who's not a turnstile. Because it's just been it's been so long since we've had a right tackle where, on any given play, he's just going to get ran by completely randomly and just destroyed for like four or five times a game at least.
1: Yeah, Shell for... hasn't even been like the C minus we were saying. He's been no. like a C
0: plus, maybe like a low B. B. Yeah, I was gonna say he's like been a <laughs> B. He's a nice solid that's B. Really nice. All I need is a B. I don't need him to be a, the best player ever. He just just slightly above average. Ooh, mwah. yeah. That's <laughs> That's all, that's all I need legal. out of my. After watching a Fetty and before that, Britt play right tackle, it was like, it's like a breath of fresh air. And I think people forget the Britt playing tackle era. What a, This is classic Seahawks. Let's take a Stiment guy foot who, who, can, who can play an NFL position. Britt was a good center. Do not get me wrong. Britt was a good center, a good NFL center. Let's play him out of position for a couple of years and really make him look like garbage, though, for no reason. Hey, they speaking s- of, they slowly moved him. Again. Speaking of that, Posich, yeah, Posich, another solid performance. Uh, Posich, Ethan Posich, who would have thought he could be a good center after he almost won the National Center Award in college? And hey, then we hey, just- Eric. Yeah. You mentioned
1: slowly
2: moving Britt over. I mean, if
1: that doesn't explain his tackle it's experience, <laughs> what well, does?
2: I was like, tackle, he's terrible. Let's just let's just move him over to guard. We'll we'll get him to center eventually, but let's just drag his and career he was, out. And he was, he was all right at guard. It was actually a pretty,
0: like, solid. But he but excelled. He excelled at center. Which he was is an excellent center, yeah. 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 And Posich looks to be, um, I think, a, a solid quite, starter but, or better. Solid B. solid B. Solid B. That's all we need, right? Damian Lewis. Uh, There's ups and downs with any rookie, but I think um, the good far outweighs the bad. And we can be legitimately excited that we have like a a rock on the right side of the line in Damian Lewis and then Jordan Simmons, a solid player that I'm fine with being in the rotation. I really would like to have, I I don't know why how this came to be, but I'd really like to have Eupati back though because I think he was he's better than Simmons.
1: Oh, I want to skip straight over Eupati for Beefy Boy Haynes.
0: <laughs> yeah, are you? Oh yeah, I'll be fine with that too. Phil Haynes, I'm all in. <laughs> the Phil Haynes experience can start Remember, we haven't, sooner. Remember, we haven't
1: played the Rams at all yet. And Phil Haynes, I want to give him round
0: two against Aaron Donald. Yeah, Phil I Hames want to see get, if that was a fluke. He'll kill Aaron Donald again. It'll be great. He'll I love it. Phil. Phil Haynes, yes, I, I'm fine with that. But you, Potty, Phil Haynes, Jordan Simmons, that's like a good, solid ta- guard group to be with Damian Lewis. You know, Damian Lewis is the yeah. plus guy. And then you got these three guys who are all ranged from, you know, a B minus to C, which is, well, what, what else can you ask for? It's crazy to have an offensive line that is competent after all of this time just dealing with just straight are i don't know any other way to put it you know i just are moving from garbage to solid has been lovely yeah it's just it's just so nice and look
1: at russ man russ 27 for 37 261 four touchdowns making it look easy he had a little bit of a cold start the pressure got to him on the first couple of drives but then he just settled in and there wasn't a lot of deep passing because you could tell they were trying to kind of get the ball out of his hands
0: quickly but it was just effective he was 14 for 18 against the blitz Mm mm-hmm Oh yeah, they try- when they tried to bring heat, we handled it this week. The- you could tell it was an emphasis in the practices this week, right? That they we're going to we're going to block. Our running backs are going to block and we're not going to make it like last week where, you know, there's guys coming in and all of a sudden, boom, here's here's a pressure straight down the middle from our running back. No, 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 no. Not not happening. Homer was out there for six snaps. He pass blocked on all of them and was excellent in all six of those snaps. They basically said hey, we just need you for a couple snaps in this game to, to pass block. <laughs> we just need you for a couple pass blocking snaps. So just get healthy enough so you can give us a little bit, right? Taking is the it, cover off the Ferrari for pass blocking. I mean, that is tr- what Travis Homer really excels at, though. And I mean, he played six snaps and he pass blocked on all of them. He did not go out for a route. He did not. He had one run his rush attempt for four yards. Yeah, he one nice. rush attempt. He just he was out there to really to pass I mean, block to pass block. But that's here's the thing.
1: Favorite. If you're like, Hey, your job is to make sure that Russ does really good at football.
0: That's an important job. Yes. They, yeah, they, they gave him one courtesy rush just so that he could, you know, really feel good. DJ Dallas pass block a couple of times. I do not think that's a thing we want to happen. Looks I like just, a rookie pass blocker. It yeah. looks like a rookie pass blocker. He just, he just doesn't seem to get it quite the way. And, um, then they had Balor in the backfield once they had Olsen <laughs> in the backfield once, which I, I'm into, like do more of that. Do more of the tight ends in the backfield and Hollister um,
1: Hollister's a respectable blocker for it in the backfield.
0: Yeah. They, so having these tight ends pass block a little bit from the backfield, I'm into it. Do that more of that. They had a, they had a five tight end play in this game. Kevin, did you see that? Yeah, it's my favorite the, play. The victory formation. <laughs> they they did five tight ends. I was like, this is cool. It's a cool guy thing to do. All right, running, running the game. wing T offense. Rushing game. Dallas had two touchdowns. I don't have anything to say about it other than that it's pretty lackluster. But that, uh, that I will say Dallas has a lot of trouble picking the right hole.
1: His vision looks like a rookie running back
0: again. Like 40, That's all I have to 43 say. yards after contact, and he got forty one yards rushing. I think that can tell you everything you need to know about his performance. Uh, he made himself work extra hard for all of the yards that were the, that were, were available. It's like this isn't – this is a good uh, – you know, the 49ers defense is dinged up, but it's decent, especially against the run game. Fred Warner is playing really good football right now. But there was more available for him there, and he just – you're right. He couldn't find it. He couldn't figure out exactly where to go. And That's okay. He's a rookie. He'll figure it out. Or he won't, and then we'll just move on because running backs are a fungible asset. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> you could They grow on trees. Guy like Carlos Hyde is just available every year for three million dollars, and he's fine. There's no. It turns out
1: having a pretty good offensive line and Russ throwing it all over the yard means that you can start like
0: kind of just anybody decent at running back and win. Yeah, and win. And our offense scored thirty-seven points with basically no run game. So I think that that established the run. People um, really uh, in shambles right now. They're, they're going to bring, like, a, you know, uh, when you do a panel interview for a job
1: um, and, like, they always have, like, the person who has your job um, that you're going to be doing or, like, they maybe are like, moving out of that position or it's, like, more than one person in that position. I feel like every running back they interview in the offseason, they're going to bring Homer along and have be like, hey, Homer, when we ask them the pass blocking questions, just make a couple of notes for us. So They got to pass the Travis Homer pass-blocking seal of approval if we're going to acquire a running back?
0: All right. Myers is 5-for-5 five five now on field goals for the year. He has not kicked one field goal from within 40 yards, which I think shows a sign of aggression that we're going with that I really enjoy. Um, there's an aggression in this offense, especially when we're in close. Myers really only comes out there for when he needs the, when we need the big boot. You know, we're a little far out. We need the big boot, and he's got it. That's what Myers is actually really good at, is converting those longer kicks. So I think we're using him to his strengths. Dixon, another really solid game. Two punts inside the 20. Um, did allow did allow one long return, which which uh, is not my favorite, but I'll, I'll allow it. It's okay. I'll forgive, I'll hey forgive man, you.
1: A man like Dixon, all things long are on the table when, when Dixon's involved.
0: That's true. That is 100% <laughs> true. So overall, I just thought a really nice performance by the Seahawks all around. One that I think points, the arrow is pointing up for this team, right? Yeah the The defense is looking better and better. The kind of get seems to right game too, week to week, and the offense is incredible. Just in you know, perhaps the best offense in the National Football League. All right, let's talk Buffalo Bills. That's our opponent for next week. Buffalo I did Bills. hear
1: nobody circles the wagons like them.
0: Okay, here's the thing. I watched the game. I, w- I went back and watched the Buffalo Bills game from last week. Okay, I was like, hmm. They played the Patriots. This should be interesting. We played the Patriots, right? We should be able to see something here. First of all, that Patriots team they played looked so much worse for the majority of this game <laughs> than the Patriots team we played. I was like, what the heck? This team sucks. They are not good at all. And so I'm like not understanding, and their offense just looks disjointed, and uh, their best player on the football field was like Damian Harris. Like I, I don't know what's going on with the, the – with the, New England it's there's something something is amiss and I, I thought they were actually going to come back and win the game at the end and then Newton fumbles really critically at the in the red zone and they end up losing if Newton even just holds on that ball that game's going to overtime Buffalo escaped New England with a vict- with by the skin of their teeth kind of the same way we did right we we stopped Cam on the goal line I just think it was a slightly worse version of the uh yeah, the Buffalo's offense players. has
1: just been cold for the last few weeks. Like they get just like a couple of plays, but in that way, they kind of remind me of the Seahawks the last couple years, where their quarterback can kind of pull some points
0: out of his backside. Um, they have a but, good,
1: uh,
0: they have a but, nice solid um, so they have a nice solid run game. Uh, predicated on that they, they have really good inside run blocking. Okay. Yep. So, so they like to run between the tackles, and they have a couple guys who can really move it in there Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. And that's something to watch in this game is like if they try to run on the inside, like they like to do. They like to run on the inside how are the seahawks going to approach stopping that and well, having both bobby and jamal i was gonna say we have bobby wagner jamal adams and kj right so that's a good approach that's a nice start and I, not only that but jamal has played against buffalo quite a few times he's probably going to know what he's looking for here he's going to be able to help us key in on on some of their concepts and then their secondary so a lot of people talk about how good Buffalo's secondary is. Buffalo's secondary is so amazing. They have Tredavious White. This is not a great secondary. And I think that even if, if the New England Patriots had one competent wide receiver in this game, I think they would have torn Buffalo apart. But the fact that their wide receivers are like nobody, they have no wide receivers. Putting DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett up against the secondary is going to be juicy I'm gonna let let you know right now. I expect those guys to get torn up by well, DK and Tyler
1: by both of right? them. Well, because here's the thing: Tre Davis White. So, are you gonna put Tre Davis White on DK because he's your best corner? Cool.
0: He's just giving up like half a foot and yeah. fifty pounds. That's like, happening to
2: corners across right. America.
0: So they, so here's the thing: they they have um, they ha- so what they do is they have a cup. They have Levi Wallace. They have uh, Josh Norman. They have Tradavius White, and they they do a lot of following because they want they want to create matchups like that. And I mean, sure, yeah, you can have Levi Wallace follow follow around DK Metcalf. I don't think it's going to go super good though. And I, you can have Tre'Davious White follow around Tyler Lockett. I like our odds in those matchups, and then they don't create like consistent pressure in a way that that really concerns me with our way our offensive line is playing I think that our offense matches up extremely well which is going to force Buffalo to try to keep up and Josh Allen while having a good season does make mistakes last game he went 11 for 18 with an interception and I could totally see him doing uh, another you know couple interceptions in this game that really break Buffalo's back
1: he'll crank off some runs against us I think I think I think we're gonna have a really a couple of really frustrating runs and they'll have like two of those drives where you're just like, man, how do we give up a touchdown on that drive? I think that feels kind of inevitable, but I, I agree. I think that I think their defense is going to kind of struggle against us. Most of their pressure comes off the edge with Hughes and Addison. They do have uh, Ed Oliver,
0: but I think, I, mean, I think Hughes and Addison don't match up super well against our tackles. Let's be honest. Let's be just be honest. Let's just call us a Buffalo is the bad Seahawks. They yep. have a they have a good but not great offense and they have a bad defense that's playing even slightly worse than ours. They're 23rd in DVOA were 21st. And the big a big difference maker is our special teams have been much better than theirs this season. Um, they had to cut Hauschka right? They, they've had they've had all kinds of problems in the kicking game. Those things add up. And I do really think that the Seahawks should get the win here. It's a tough matchup. Going on the road to the East Coast, you know, what weather could be a factor. And I will say, if we if it's raining in Buffalo or if it's snowing in Buffalo, I have seen the way Russell Wilson plays in inclement weather, and I would get your butthole tight. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Okay, <laughs>
1: <laughs> forecast says. Low of fifty one, high of sixty seven. Yeah. Wind I, I speed in. four miles an hour. Clear throughout the day.
0: You stole my you stole my thunder, which is that oh. day, the actual pick <laughs> part, I was going to say the weather's going to be great, so rainy day rest not a factor. So- wait,
2: wait, wait! Are you guys saying that you guys uh, downloaded my weather app that never lies, which is all <laughs> weather apps? <laughs> uh, you know it's <laughs> that's the one. What's funny about this is that Josh Allen, uh, he's he started the year kind of impressing people with. Uh, his his arm and winning he things has this good is good games yeah well this is the year that Josh Allen needs to put up or shut up the last few games. Josh Allen has reverted back to last year Josh Allen. Not terrible but not great. So and, I hear
1: he opted for the shutting up one.
2: Yeah. Well in this <laughs> in this situation I think our pass rush is going to be a little better. I think you're going to just be running Josh Allen a little more which is going to put him in the last few games which is going to lean right into our game plan. It'll allow us to Uh, at worst case scenario, let them play catch up at the end, like every other team.
0: All right. So, uh, let's go to picks. Uh, I like sunny day Russ. Yeah. Sunny day Russ, 70 degrees, nice and pardon, 65 degrees. Nice and balmy chucking it around the yard. I like the Seahawks to score 35 points in this game. And that means it's going to be tough for the, for the bills to keep up. I'm gonna go 35 to 27, Kevin.
1: Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to be in a pretty similar spot. At this point, I'm going to bet Russ hangs a thirty burger on basically everyone we play against. So, let's go Seahawks, thirty-six, Buffalo, twenty-eight.
2: As the Seahawk historian, oh, <laughs> as the Seahawk historian, I like to look back at the past and see how it, it matches up here, guys. We always hang big points. In Buffalo, and it's going to be no different here. I'm going crazy, guys. I'm I'm blowing the roof off. I got 41 20 Seahawks. Oh, a little high. After a little, little high. Doing the reversal. I like it. I I couldn't go 27 points. I just don't think Buffalo has it in them. Right. the magnolia
0: mangler there's there are many <laughs> ways to support the seahawks podcast the best way to do so ever head over to punthub.us be like new patreons clinton and dave join the discord hey guys get get in the get in the chat uh See talk to just, everyone you? thank you to our longtime patrons though lucas timothy ryan cooper james brett carrie tom michael brandon nick sebastian Foles, emmanuel j warwolf bob Richard, Kieran, Mike, Phyloctomus, Michelle. I hope you guys are enjoying the Picks podcast every week. I have a lot of fun writing the jokes for it. Also, I <clears throat> uh, just want to, if you don't have any money, you know, and you want to support, times are tough right now. I know. Head over to iTunes, wherever you get your seat or wherever you get your podcast. Give us a review. It really helps people find the show. Um, and thank you to those people that have already done that. I know that is a pain in the butt. So thank you for doing it. Our our movie club this week, we are going to talk about the career of the late, the great Sean Connery, born August 25th, 1930, went on to become James Bond and become a a huge movie star, making many movies for many years until he made The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen and then was like, all right, I'm not sure if I'm into this movie thing anymore. And after that, he he was only in a couple movies because that actually was, he said that that was, so he was, Sean Connery, fun fact time. Okay. He, he was offered Gandalf, turned it down. He Not only really? that, he was offered points for Gandalf. So, like, he would have made like $200 million for being Gandalf. He was offered um, another big role. I think Morpheus. I'm not 100% sure on this one. Uh, it was another big role like that, though. Turned it down, would have made like another cool 50 to 100 million. Said, I'm taking the next one of these that I get no matter what because it's this is crazy money and I don't. Uh, So he takes League of Extraordinary Gentlemen (laughs) and of course bombs. It's it's not that good. Although I think like his wig looks terrible. It's better than people give it credit for. It's not like the worst movie of all time. It's just campy and stupid. And uh, anyway, he takes that and it does terribly. And then he just basically fades into the the sunset after that. And we kind of miss out on the the sunset of Sean Connery because of it. There's like 15 years where from that time to the end of his life where he doesn't, doesn't really do anything. So kind of a inter- interesting, like kind of footnote or anecdote or end of his career. So we're going to do a fave five though. Um, like T-Mobile, we're going to put, we're going to put our five favorite movies in, uh, in his career into our fave five, five that we could watch at any time. Um, I'm going first. You guys ready? Yes. Yep. I want time bandits.
2: <laughs> You're right. I didn't expect that. Very I fun was, movie. I was thinking about throwing that out there when you were talking it about it before. Terrifying. And I was like, you know what? You know what? This that movie's not bad. I'm not gonna time Bandit, it.
0: Time bandits is an awesome movie. And one thing I like about it is like it it's like they did the most with the least. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, they yeah. did not have a lot of resources. It's homemade special effects. And this movie this movie is fun and uh and entertaining and I think it's like, I don't know. It's like, it's, it's funny. It's, it's a kid's movie, but like, it's, uh, it does, it's not condescending or, or stupid. You know what I mean? It's, it's an adventure movie. It's a great 80s movie. movie. It's a fun, engaging film. Time Bandits. It's in the fave five because that's one I, well, I picked as my movie. So I, you guys can't fight me too hard on it. Take that. <laughs> I knew it. I was like, I, I might get, I might get crap for this. Are you guys okay with Time Bandits? I'm actually yeah, perfectly fine fun. with it. All right, yeah. Time bandit's in the five. Let's everything
2: you said describes a good eighties movie, which are a lot of eighties movies. So there you go. I,
0: say, I mean, when it comes to camp, we we're we've all been pretty pro steer into camp. So one thing, one thing uh, I will say too is that like this um this movie uh it held up. I watched it recently. It wasn't as bad as I, I thought it was going to be bad, and it was like completely fine. I was like still entertained by it. Uh, so yeah. There you go. Yeah, the cheese is endearing. It's um yeah, it's fun it's fun. It's fun it's short. It's not too uh it's not too bad. It's breezy, some cool imagery, some good sets, some good costumes. Uh and Sean Sean Connery as King Agamemnon and John Cleese as Robin Hood. And uh who else who else is in, in that? Um uh Michael Michael Palin uh I don't remember. Shell uh there's a bunch of people in there. It's good. It's good. A All bunch, right, go. yeah. David Warner George George Harrison wrote the music.
1: Uh, George Harrison's production company produced the movie.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, 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 Kenny Baker. Kenny Baker's in it.
0: All right, let's rock and roll.
2: All right, Eric, what's yours? Uh, I'm going Untouchables. Uh, Untouchables is a movie that it's got its flaws, probably because it's you know based on a true story, and a lot of it is not not true. <laughs> it's a Hollywood. <laughs> it's a. It's just a Hollywood movie, but forget the the terrible acting. By Kevin Costner which is still one of his best performances is this movie and it's he's still not very good Sean Connery plays uh you know like the the right hand man to Elliot Ness and uh the the old Irish cop uh who aids Elliot Ness in his fight against the mob really really just fun performance by Sean Connery he's like the ultimate badass of of all the badasses in this movie he's the he's the biggest badass he's the the cop that stands up for corruption but recognizes that it exists and that everyone does it. Uh, he 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 walks this very silver line of uh, good with gray areas, and um, that's that's my pick. Because I, whenever I think of the Untouchables, I think of like ah some fun performances, fun movie. Damn, Sean Connery's just he's daggers in this movie. Uh, De Palma, De
0: Palma, uh, is really hit or miss for me. and yes. this, is a, this, is a, this is a hit for sure. It's mm-hmm. a really good, it's a really good cop uh, slash like mob movie. Also, when that... he
2: dies, you know, in on the movie, spoiler alert. Uh, you know, I like when he's like spo- joking spoiling on, spoiling a-, a
0: movie from nineteen
2: eighty seven, spoiling an event from nineteen twenty something. Yes, <laughs> and, uh, but he, but you know, he like, what are you prepared to die? <laughs> it's absurd, <laughs> but it's super fun. It's very Connery. Yeah. yeah that's right.
1: All right. So there's a few that I have stepped on. Outland is one that I was thinking about, but the pacing on that movie is just kind of not quite right for me. Um, there's another one that I'm going to try. I think I can pitch and get into R5 the other way. So I'm going to go with a personal favorite, a movie I have loved since my childhood that I think is still very enjoyable and has a, and a movie where Sean Connery is a big, big part of it. And that is uh Indiana Jones of The Last Crusade. Yes. Okay. I know it gets dumped on a little bit uh in the uh, Indiana Jones Pantheon, but I think this is a fun adventurous movie. I think that uh Sean Connery, who typically played like the suave kind of badass, playing like the bookish um like old man mm-hmm. was kind of kind of a perfect subversion for him especially in 19 remember in 1989 it, it was only a few years earlier that he reprised the uh, 007 role in his worst Bond movie um, when they were trying to breathe life back into that franchise um, at the end of the Roger Moore era so for him to go from like reprising Bond to uh, Harrison Ford's dad and overall like scholar was a really interesting choice and all his interactions are great and it's just, it's a really fun
0: movie. I'm fine with it. All right, let's, let's, uh, I know Eric's fine with it also. Yes. I'm already, I'm confidently predict that. Okay. So we've got now, we've got a couple, um, We've got a couple things to talk about. One, are we gonna pick a are we gonna pick a James Bond movie?
1: Yes, but I wanted you to say which one because I know James Bond uh movies I'm, are kind of special for you and your dad. I'm
0: actually okay with not picking a James Bond movie. Really? because I, I think we kind of have to.
2: I was I, uh, I was on the lines of I think it it's maybe we have to, but if you're totally against it and we have two other movies that fit in, I'm fine leaving it out.
0: If we pick what a James Bond
2: you're picking instead.
0: If if we pick a James Bond movie, it's Goldfinger. By the way,
2: One, yes. hundred, one, okay. one,
0: one million percent. Um, this is like the, it's like the perfect Sean Connery Bond movie, um, and it, it kind of sets. It's the it's the quintessential Bond movie. Um, it, it's kind of a generic pick, you know, a little bit, but like, uh, you know, it, it might be fun to pick like Thunderball, which I think is like a and also really cool. It a is. Bond movie, but, but picking Goldfinger would be the choice, but I'm okay with just saying that I think Goldfinger is the best Bond movie and then just the best Sean Connery Bond movie. So what are also- the
1: two we're taking in its place?
0: Okay. I want to make the argument for a couple movies, but I really want to say we should pick The Rock <laughs> because this is like. A Sean Conneryist role of all time, and it's so funny, and it's like the only good Michael Bay movie, and I just think it'd be—I f- could watch this movie at any time, anywhere, and which I think really fits the spirit of the Faye Five. I agree. I- and do you want to know my joke for The Rock? What? Uh, my personal theory is that um,
1: his character in The Rock, uh, uh, John Patrick Mason, is actually James Bond and he just had too many government secrets, so okay. they locked <laughs> him away when he retired. <laughs> from Bond okay. character. And that's why The Rock feels like a really off-kilter Bond movie.
0: Okay, I can dig it. So, um,
1: yes, The Rock is in my five, because it's infinitely watchable and dumb in the best ways. There, there's like, there's... you could the chase totally... scene in San Francisco with him, and uh,
0: yeah, that's great. Eric, are you in on The Rock? Are absolutely,
2: okay it? absolutely. It's a fun movie. Everything He's you said... Rock.
0: All What's right. that? And then, I said, do you smell what The Rock is cooking? Of course I do. And and I think the other movie we should put in is not the hunt for Red October, because that accent, that's <laughs> Scot- that <laughs> Scottish Russian accent is completely unacceptable. Um that is actually a solid movie, but but that accent, I'm not doing it. You going with Dragonheart? No, Highlander.
2: Ugh. <sighs> Interesting. What? You guys don't like Highlander? It's here's the thing. This is not the Christopher Christopher Lambert eliminator. So and I, I think it's really cool that we're picking these Sean Connery movies. What are we doing, guys? We're picking all these movies where he's the secondary character. That's something really awesome about Sean Connery and awesome about the movies he's in. But I just don't know if Highlander it's I he's it's Sean Connery is the best part of
0: Uh, First of all, Sean Connery is the best part of this movie. Like Lambert is not doing anything in this movie. He just like sits there with no emotion on his face the whole time. And like Mm -hmm. everyone else around him has to carry the weight of every scene. You said that when you said Christopher Lambert? Yeah, I
2: think. (laughs) I think Clancy Brown's the best part of the movie, but
0: uh, Uh, I do like. Clancy Brown is awesome too, dude. But basically everyone who's not Christopher Lambert is the best part of this movie.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What's, uh, What's her name? Twilight? Uh, go, what's Twilight Girl's name? I can't think of the yeah, actress. Kristen, Kristen Stewart. Stewart. Yeah, Kristen Stewart clearly went to the Christopher Lambert School of Acting, because it's really just like hold this one facial expression for a movie. Highlander,
0: Highlander. is both is both super great and also like I hate it so much. <laughs> I I have both of those emotions towards Highlander, which is and part of why I went on this list though because it is eminently watchable in a way eminently that more watchable than Goldfinger. Uh, well, okay. If we're just picking the best movie, we have to put Goldfinger as the last movie. Nate, uh, but Ted, I honestly just wanted to bring up Highlander in in this context because I just think Highlander is a really, it's a fun watch. Like you have it, fun it, when you're watching it, and it's you can jo- make jokes. It's it's not it's not bad per se, but it is bad. Sean Connery's
1: uh Spanish Egyptian immortal Scottish accent. Yup. Juan Sanchez via Lobos Ramirez. Um, I I know all of you remembered his name was Juan Sanchez. Um, I did it,
0: well, mostly because they listened to this podcast and it was, I said it at the beginning,
1: <laughs> right? But it's like it's it's like come on, that there's so much wrong with it, and you don't care because every moment he's on screen is beautiful. But I I think if I'm choosing between highlander and goldfinger i i've got to pick goldfinger because not only is goldfinger a better movie but like if they're sitting next to each other i'm gonna pick up goldfinger to watch
2: i think we should pick goldfinger for everything we've said but also i'm gonna put i'm gonna put as the star it's the star of the movie
0: i'm gonna put a picture in the in the discord right now and i just want you guys to look at this picture i just want you guys to look at this picture and know that you're picking against this yep okay it's gonna, it's gonna be it's gonna be the shirtless pose isn't it no 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 okay <laughs> you're picking against this though which is just i mean that's on you that's on you you're gonna pick against this beautiful peacock feathered <laughs> hat combo uh that's on, that's on you he looks right.
1: like he looks like if zoro was being played in the movie the birdcage i don't know what the <laughs> hell's going on right here man it's
0: it's why I love it, though. It's why I love. Uh, All right, he's the Highlander. Captain Jack Sparrow
1: took so much from this character. Gold fingers,
0: um, fingers in the five. Goldfinger's uh, in the five. <laughs> other, other, other uh, topics. 15th you century know, pimp. The murder in the Orient Express. That he's he's a, also a secondary actor in that one, but he's very good, and that movie is very good.
1: Uh, Marnie, um, the Hitchcock movie that he's in,
0: with yep. Tippi Hedren. Yeah, um, uh, Molly, Molly Maguire's, where he plays a he plays like a spy in a, a coal miners. Uh, there's like a, there's a spy in the coal miners saboteurs. Uh, yeah, that's pretty, pretty solid. Uh, a
1: bridge, uh, too, far. Uh, bridge
0: finding, too far. Finding, is finding, good, finding yeah. Forrester really nice a
1: movie the, too long for Nathan. So that's
0: right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> finding <laughs>
0: Forrester, which you mentioned at the, of the podcast Really solid, it just a you know, great. Like I said, a great movie career that, um, you know, maybe, maybe we, I wish we could have got 10 more years of performance. So thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. League of extraordinary gentlemen for Eric <laughs> for Kevin. We will see you guys next week. Go Hawks.